in my vision of the distant future, when life returns to some, hopefully, semblance of what I used to know, maybe, or even during the busy seasons, when things are crazy, and I literally don't have a moment to pee, I'm not going to cook a meal, even if it takes me 15 or 20 minutes, I want that 15 or 20 minutes to make money. And I will use some of that money to get me a meal delivered to my door, because it is just a huge time saver for me when I'm on a roll, and I just like need to get stuff done. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm talking to fellow New Yorker, dear friend, and boss of her business, Stacey Brooke. Stacy's company, College Essay Advisors, helps college applicants present their most polished and intriguing selves by crafting effective college essays to get admissions to their dream schools. She started her business as a freelancer advisor in 2004 and took it full-time in 2014, and now has one full-time employee and 20 independent advisors she brings on for projects. While keeping her operation lean and efficient, she's been able to grow 50% year over year. We spoke recently, and in our conversation, we covered topics such as earned media, how Stacy sent one strategically placed email in March that landed her a guest article in Teen Vogue, which is ideal for her demographic, and what she's been doing for years that actually made that possible. When to hire, and which things can only be done by you, and why that's actually a good thing. Whether SEO is still a thing in 2020, and the difference between keywords and good content the real key to creating a great customer experience that most people don't focus on, and what you need to know if you want a successful business that makes money with no regrets. So buckle up. Here we go. So Stacy, welcome to Show Your Business Who's Boss. Thank you so much, Pia. Happy to be here. Thank you. Well, Thank you. So this is this is why I think you're the boss of your business. I, you know, you and I, we relate on a lot of things. So it obviously. Um, our fundamental values are quite are aligned. <laughs> quite aligned. Yes. And you, you make your business work for you. And I think it's pretty clear that your business is there in order to facilitate your lovely lifestyle, which being in quarantine really highlights how lovely your lifestyle <laughs> is. <laughs> because how many times did you go to Japan in the last couple of years? Can you count? Since we started, since I met Jeffrey, my boyfriend, and we started, and, and we went for the first time on my 30th birthday, so that was seven years, seven and a half years ago, I think we've been between 15 and 20 times. It's our nice. favorite place. It's, it's your our favorite place. place. And I, I watched, oh, there's a show on Netflix called, what is it called? Terrace House that I'm sure has been popping up for you because it's been popping up for everybody. I don't know that I would necessarily recommend it, but it's basically like the real world, but in Tokyo. And it's like it's six people, three men, three women, and they like set them up so that they can like fall in love and date each other. And they all live in one house. But oh my God, even just seeing Tokyo made my heart ache. I love it so much. And I do not know when I will go again. But I will say that one of the first things that occurred to me, not really one of the first things, but something that has occurred to me in quarantine, as I'm thinking about what life is like, and what life used to be like, is that I don't regret a moment of the time that I took for myself to go adventure and travel to the places that I've traveled to. And like, I could not be more grateful, 
for those experiences and more validated in my choices to put my efforts into those places because you just never know what's going to happen. Like this is such a weird example of like of a destiny that you could not foresee that would prevent you from doing some of the things that you love to do most. And I'm just, I am, I am really grateful for the time that I, I put into doing the things that that took me to the places that I love to be. Yeah, because I have been talking to I've talked to some entrepreneurial friends who are feeling pretty bummed right now because they were feeling like this was the year they were finally going to let their foot off the gas. And Mm -hmm. they're like, are you kidding me? Now I can't go anywhere or do anything. Mm -hmm. And you've been the opposite. I mean, ever since we met, you have been flying high enjoying your life and you know you push hard and you're trying to build your business and I know you've you've really level jumped every year since I've met you since I met you but you're not level jumping and sacrificing anything oh no oh no Stacy does not sacrifice <laughs> anything well, I would say I sacrifice nothing I mean I I cannot say that the choices I make are the choices that everybody would make I mean I I definitely think part of the reason that I can nor do should they be Oh yeah, completely. But I but I am aware that part of the reason I can do the things that I do are because I Jeffrey and I are not sure what we want to do with our family and thus we do do not have children and that is huge in terms of how we spend our money and time and and yeah, I mean I also have a partner who is a business owner and similarly hedonistic and and just <laughs> kind of a uh let's go for it kind of human so probably even more so than i I was gonna say arguably even more than you i I think so believe it or not i am the tempering agent here but but that's what i love about him and i i come from a family of chronic overworkers and i mean my my parents are, are crazy hard workers and built a business from the ground up a medical practice together I didn't my, know they were business owners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's actually something that didn't occur to me until uh, a few years into me owning my own business because it felt so natural for me to do it. And I was like, oh, right, you actually have a model for this. Your parents did this your whole life. And I never thought about them as business owners, probably because I don't think doctors even thought of themselves as business owners until maybe the last 10 or 15 years when healthcare started to really become challenging in terms of how doctors made money and they needed to market themselves. And like, I definitely watched my father's business go through a crazy transformation in that regard. But uh, but my parents are business owners and my sister and brother are both work jobs that require a lot of them. And they're just hard ass workers. And I think like we all love to bust our asses. It's it's a a way of life for the Brooks. Well, did, did the way that your parents run their business is it a model for how you run your business or how are you different or the same? I, I think that, I mean, they are in their late sixties now and they still work quite a bit. And I think part of it is just, they love to work and they like to be useful and they love to help people. And they just, they're super committed to this thing that they built. And now they can sort of run it a little bit more on their own terms because they've been doing it for so long. But I definitely don't think they even now take enough time for themselves and certainly haven't, I mean, for, for a multitude of reasons. And they obviously had a family and lots of other things going on, but over the past, I don't know, since they started the practice basically. So I think one of the things that I have learned by watching them is like you were saying before about everybody who's just waiting for, for things to ease up, like that time never comes. There is no Mm -hmm. good time to take a break. You have to just do it. Mm -hmm. otherwise what are you working for I mean really why are you 
why are you driving yourself crazy or, or crunching your bones bones to dust over things like you really have to have a reason and i think it's important to highlight the things that bring you joy you have to know why if you want to make a lot of money or you want to grow a business and you want to see something do well you have to understand why you're doing it i mean part of it could be that you really want to be an expert in your field and you want to acquire all of the knowledge that humanly possible in a certain area Part of it can be that you want enough money to do things that are completely unrelated to your business. I think you have to pretty early on understand what your goals are. And they obviously can change, but I think you need to understand what what you want out of life in order to be able to achieve that balance. And it definitely took me a while to figure it out. But uh, Well, what did you think it was when you first started? So you, you know, you run, uh, I mean, you just started as your own consultant, right? You were just mm-hmm. advising people on their mm-hmm. college essays. That's how yeah. it started, just as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you get, how did you start doing that? That was sort of an organic process where I'm the oldest of three children. I I always loved writing and I loved the personal essay in particular, which is, which is really what is required of students in the college application process. And I helped my sister and brother a little bit with their essays and their friends had come to me for some help. And just kind of by word of mouth, people started to inquire about my quote-unquote services and at some point I started charging people much less than I charge now (laughs) and and just through word of mouth I built a little a little bit of a following and it was always a side job for me while I was doing other things I went to college at uh, Boston University and got a degree in communications and thought I was going to go into advertising and worked a job in at a PR agency always doing maybe like 10 or 15 clients on the that makes so yeah. much sense because you're so mm-hmm. good at marketing <laughs> and PR. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't and, know you had a background in it. Oh yeah, no, totally, oh, totally. I mean, I first time me, English I, major. <laughs> no, no, no. I wish because I spent time. No, I do. I really do wish because I. I mean, I. I had a few professors at at BU that I worship to this day that were amazing and really changed my life and I feel lucky for that even but uh, but I also went to class and learned how to write a press release in college which feels like a little granular for like what you should be spending money on class-wise like I, I also walked into my first day of the job my first ever job in New York and learned how to write a press release in 10 seconds like it, I don't know I I would have I would have gone for a more liberal arts space Mm-hmm. education that would expose me to things that like only your sheer curiosity will expose you to later in life. And you don't have a ton of time necessarily to pursue those subjects. But you don't I think will... that that education set you up to do, because I always tell people, it's like, no matter what your business is, you're mm-hmm. in marketing. So you need oh, completely. to know marketing. Completely. And even more so than, than the marketing of my business. I mean, the fundamental service that I provide for people is based on branding. Like we are helping students brand themselves for these universities because, you know, there are admissions officers that are sitting, tearing through a thousand of these essays in a day. And if they can't remember you as the circus girl, as like the dinosaur boy, as I don't know, the hula hula hoop master, whatever you are, like we want, we want admissions to come away from, from putting their eyes on your essay with some kind of like keyword phrase, like some imprint very strong Mm. imprint of who you are and I think the instinct to like look for those kinds of hooks is completely Mm -hmm. derived from my advertising and PR Mm -hmm. background it's you you that desire to make yourself memorable or to help 
a student right. makes themselves memorable is is innate for me. And create that hook mm-hmm. and, and to get that that uh, to get that attention. Yeah, I remember when we first met and we were getting to know each other in our businesses, how much overlap there was cuz I'm talking about branding, you're talking about branding, like everything mm-hmm. everything we do is just is actually it's it's quite a similar process for a completely mm-hmm. different market yep. to achieve a completely different goal. Yep. I mean, sometimes I look at, you know, a lot of businesses can be broken down into branding and marketing actually. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just, you know, what okay. what angle Completely. And there are people who offer almost no service at all, who just brand and market themselves well. And right. <laughs> They're I called mean, influencers. It, it blows my mind and sometimes. Yeah. Kim Kardashian. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Very good at branding and marketing. Fair enough. What's the value? Yeah. No, completely. I mean, and then you get into the branding and marketing of your own services, which is a whole other ball of wax. And it's amazing how easy it is to brand other people and how challenging it is to work on your own, on your own, on your own brand. I mean, I, I liken it to writing your own like biography for a website or something like that. It's just, I actually had a very, a pretty clear vision of what I wanted CEA to be. And uh, from the very yeah. beginning, so it actually really wasn't so tough in that regard. But I think the reinvention of the the company or the refreshing of the brand when it needs to just like have a little extra juice or some new life all of that stuff is we put a lot of time into it yeah when did you do that how many years in collegeessayadvisors.com was purchased very early in my like in my career so maybe like back when I was had five or ten students a year so like way in the beginning and I think that the name the searchability of the name which I dislike intensely, by the way, because I think it's a, we, you and I have discussed this before, but I think it doesn't have that zip that good branding has, but it has amazing searchability. So I will never change it, but I, I desire something a little pizzazzier. Yeah. Um, more in your personality. Yes, it's, so, yes, exactly, it's so antithetical exactly. to your personality, actually. <laughs> it re- no, it really, really is. And I think the rest of Moira the- from Schitt's Creek and she owns the college <laughs> advisors. Yes. No, completely. I am like wackadoodle lady in crazy clothes all the time. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I definitely, I, I have tried to infuse the rest of the brand with more of my mm-hmm. personality and a little bit of, of fun. And I mean, you can't take this stuff so seriously. You will die from the stress, this process. So I think you have to lighten it up for people. And, and even mm-hmm. for ourselves, like I always tell the people that work for me, like we have to have a good time doing this. We are spending most of our lives working mm-hmm. on this stuff. If we're not having a good time, like I'm not doing it. We have to have a good time. But but yeah, collegeessayadvisors.com was purchased way early on. And then I think I had my first, I had someone do the logo and we chose like all the brand colors that stuck around today, maybe in 2011 or 2012. So probably like, I don't know, six or seven years after I bought the, yeah. the URL. Yeah, we started our business too, mm-hmm. 2011. And then the website has experienced, I think, two complete refreshes since then, just to kind of keep up with the look of the internet and make sure functionality is you know, feels familiar to people. And we just, we just always want to stay relevant. So whenever I feel like I look at us and we don't feel like the freshest, newest thing, like I want to be the freshest, newest thing. Well, so you and I had a funny parallel experience because at the same time, we were building our courses at the same time. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we were on a similar trajectory, right? Like you were selling your high priced, fancy services because you're a badass at what you do. I was doing that with branding and small businesses. Because you're a badass at what you do. 
because I'm a badass at what I do and you're a badass <laughs> at what you do. And we were in the same, we were in this like mastermind together and we were both like, we want uh, passive income. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and not just that, not only do we want <laughs> passive income, but we don't want to do it the way they're all telling us to do it. They're all telling us that we need to sell it first and then build our courses. But uh-uh, we need our courses to be amazing. And our courses are going to be so fun and beautiful. And you and I, at probably the exact same time, like spent months and months and months you had a launch party for yours I did, <laughs> for your... I did. What and time was that? do you know that do you know that Jeffrey's parents and my parents met for the first time at that launch I, party I did <laughs> it was yes. a fabulous party and you and you yeah at your at Jeffrey's fabulous event oh, space yeah, in great. Union Square it was very fancy you mentioned this before I'm going to have a good time while I do this well it looked like you were having a good time so we both this was separately but we both cartooned our courses Mm -hmm. ours is a cartoon too very different Mm -hmm. kinds of cartoons but you know you're very creative you like cats in every aspect (laughs) of life and so yours was starring that is is untrue I will never own a cat I'm a dog person but whatever it's okay but why did I need to feel excuse me that it's really not excuse me Aren't you like a Hello Kitty fanatic? Don't you have? Yes. Oh yeah. No, I okay. like I like cats sorry. in theory. I like internet cats in theory, sure. and mm-hmm. internet cats. Right. You're sorry. You're an <laughs> internet cat lover, and therefore your course had to be an internet cat cartoon, yes. and mine was a stick figure of me. Of course, it had to be. Of course. And and we did the exact same thing, and we had the exact same experience, <laughs> which is that we built this amazing thing. It took us months and months. We spent so much time and money, and then we tried to sell it, and nobody wanted to buy it. Oh, God. Products on the internet, man. It was painful. It was painful. Yes. No, continue. No, you go ahead. The thing is, is that both of our courses are beautiful and super useful. And anyone that ever used our course was obsessed with it. And plenty of people hired us because they first purchased the course. Like, I still, Mm. it is one of the things I made that I'm the most proud of. And, uh, and I just love how you and I have the same definition of minimum viable product, which is it's going to be awesome and nearly perfect. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I am getting a little bit better about that. I have to say, um, just oh, like, too. Letting things, yeah, letting things <laughs> just kind of not slip, but just being looser with my standards because I have pretty high creative standards and just that, I think that, that the creation of that series took the life out of me took the life out of me too yeah well so i mean yours ended up being incredibly valuable for you i ended up figuring out how to sell it our markets are very different i think you found out that your market it wasn't it didn't make sense as a diy without the service whereas mine Mm -hmm. could be that and so i just had to figure out the marketing and it just took me another year of Mm -hmm. in addition to the needing the mvp to be perfect and the six months it took to do that i needed another year to figure out how to sell it Mm -hmm. but but you actually use it as content completely yeah i mean we've broken it up in a million different ways it is we actually just put it up the whole thing up for free on youtube really as a mechanism for students to get started on college essay stuff early because one of the one of the side effects the unintended and unexpected side effects of this whole covid mess is that students can't take standardized tests this year in the way that they're they they have been able to previously so some of the schools uh some of the colleges the kids are applying to have recently announced that they're going test optional which means they may not even require you to submit your test scores and 
there is even talk of there being some kind of remote remote essay yeah remote sat testing in the future but nobody really knows how to work on the security for that and i think essentially standardized testing is in a very turbulent place at this moment Mm. and and it has been honestly for years i think it has been it's validity and value has been questioned over the past probably decade. And there were schools that were moving in a test optional direction before this. But my my approach to this issue for students and my solution and my desire to actually help them move forward with the process of preparing for college admissions involves helping them get started on other pieces of the puzzle earlier, which they ordinarily might not think about. And one of those pieces is obviously the essay, which in light of the standardized testing debacle is going to have much more weight in an application this year than it ever has before. So we decided to put our theories up entirely for free on the internet so that students, no matter who you are, no matter what you can afford, can access it and just get a head start on the process. And and if people see it and decide to hire us because of it, so be it. And if people just watch it on YouTube and get amazing information out of it, then that's also great. I think any kind of attention brought to the college admissions essay at this time is is going to be good for students and then eventually probably for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, bringing a, a massive amounts of traffic to your YouTube channel will translate into traffic to your website and you becoming the, really the premier. I mean, you guys are the premier college essay advisory company. The, the I mean, pre- premier and premium college mm-hmm. essay advisory. Is that right? I, I, I would say so. I mean, I also think very early in the, very early in the branding and expansion of the business. And when we made the video series, actually, I was um, fighting the idea of being the face of the company. I didn't want, (laughs) I actually, I didn't want to be tied to the company in that way. I didn't want the company to be so reliant on me in hopes that at some point, I would expand to the point where like I would not have to be the one making YouTube videos and other things along those lines. But my uh, my approach to that and feelings about it have changed dramatically since we started. One, I think the service we provide is highly personal and I think people want to see a face. I mean, even in the in the generation of the videos, uh, our original video series, we use animation I mean, I love animation. I'm like a child of like the animation era, Looney Tunes. And I mean, even adult cartoons, like all of that stuff I'm obsessed with. But, uh, but I think that the YouTube generation wants to see a face. And mm. I, think they, I think they connect more just because of the way they're used to consuming content to someone speaking directly to them. So I think that one, we just get a better result with a person out in front of them. But I also think that at some point I started to see myself as I acquired more experience as a true expert in the field. And I feel like I want to be a voice in this community and I want to ha- be able to exert influence and and get my opinions out there and be part of a conversation. And I, it's much easier to do that as, you know, as the face of the company. So I, I submitted and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also easier to get earned media that way. So I thought mm-hmm. what you did with Teen Vogue, was it Teen Vogue? It was yeah, brilliant. Vogue. Thank you. Yeah. What'd you I do? Mean, immediately, tell what you did. It was so I smart. Shall, I shall tell you. I mean, immediately after, you know, self-isolation started and it became clear that the college admission cycle was going to be interrupted and shaken up in ways that, you know, the 
that applicants had never experienced before. I knew I had to weigh in on it, write about it, process all the information. So basically my full-time job since I started self-isolating has been to consume every piece of news media about the college application process, which, mm. and, and these changes have affected both students who have recently been accepted to school. It's affected the acceptance rates this year. It actually, the acceptance rates went up um, for a ton of top tier schools this year, not by much, by maybe a few percentage points, but for the first that. time in a really long time. People and are staying closer to home and exactly, people are scared and people don't want to spend exactly. as much money. Mm-hmm. There's a whole mm-hmm. contingent of, of students who are rethinking their approach to acceptance, to enrollment, to application. I mean, it, do you want to enroll, even if you your family has the money to do it, you have the money to do it, do you want to spend $40,000 on a, in an education that takes place digitally until January? I think people are really like, they're, they're second guessing their commitment to these yeah. kinds of things. And then, of course, there are people who can't afford to go to school in the first place and are thinking about loans and their parents have lost their jobs or they have lost their jobs or I mean oh just the, the economic piece of this is like cannot be cannot be even quantified so mm-hmm. with all of these things in mind I just have been following the trends and then my goal was to kind of synthesize the first wave of changes and challenges for students and just map out a little bit of a guide for moving forward I, I pitched it to, to Team Vogue excuse me I wrote a piece for them, which got published maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. And I plan to do more of this. I mean, for, for me, this Yeah, but is how helpful. did you pitch them? How did I pitch them? I, yeah, I, I looked up the education editor or I looked up an editor that I thought might cover things related to the subject that, that I was covering. And I mapped out in like a very quick paragraph what I wanted to talk about and provided a brief explanation of my expertise. And I sent it out and I heard nothing for like a week and a half. And then it was forwarded on to the proper editor who said, I would like for you to write this piece. And you know what? As a writer who who pitches things all the time for my own edification about things completely unrelated to college mm-hmm. essay writing, all of this is a crapshoot, pitching articles mm-hmm. for places. Hilar- I mean, hilariously, of course, I went to school for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. all of PR is is pitching ideas to other people. In fact, when I was in PR professionally, one of my main complaints about it was I wanted to be the person writing the stories, not pitching the story. <laughs> so now I do both. But uh, but it, it, I mean, part of it is it, it was just a fluke. I hit the right editor at the right time. But I also think I have some timely things to say. And when you do, like the last thing that I felt like doing, honestly, was sitting down to write an article about anything, because like everyone else, I think, I'm emotionally impacted by everything that's happening. Like I have many ups and downs as most people do, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I definitely had to like give myself a little kick in the butt to get it going. But like the second I got started, I mean, I just have so much to say about this stuff always that it poured out of and me. And you're such an expert in this. I mean, you are a bona fide expert and you've got the business to back you up. I mean, who else are they going to, who else are they going to quote? And have some yeah. and have write this article. You're the perfect person. I mean, I think that's you, you getting that pitch is because of the last seven to 10 years of work that you've done that you are the only person that should really write that article. I mean, it, I, it, I definitely would not have felt the confidence <laughs> so you that, told I, that I felt <laughs> pitching. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's exactly what I told them. No, I think, I mean, the the time that you put in builds up the confidence. And you and I talk about this all the time. And I think this is the way to, that I think about this has changed my language of, of 
pitching clients in general and the way that I do sales, but my rates and my value in general are determined by all of the back work that I've done that you have not mm-hmm. seen in my mind. And if I can do a job in half the time as somebody else, it's still worth probably twice as much because mm-hmm. I could only do it in half the time because of all the other time that I put into this before. So I think there's a, I mean, that's what expertise is, is being able to to pull out the goods at any given time and to feel confident in the information you're conveying. And trust me, there are plenty of times where a client will ask me a question and I will say, you want to know something? This is not the area I specialize in. I can connect you with someone who knows the answer to this question, but I would never want to tell you something that I did not know for sure. Um, And having the confidence to say that. I mean, I think people with less expertise feel like they're supposed to know everything. mm -hmm, Expertise mm -hmm. is really demonstrated by being confident that you're not supposed to know the answer to everything. Oh, completely. And I tell this to my advisors all the time when they're working with clients that if they ever come upon anything that they don't know, that don't make up the answer. Just say, you know what? I'm actually not sure. I don't want to give you the wrong answer. Let me talk to Stacy and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Because I would just so I would so prefer that someone is honest with a client about what they do and don't know. And I don't think anyone ever is expected to know everything. And people respect when no. you tell them the truth about that stuff. No. So you have, just remind me, you have contractors who do some of your mm-hmm. editing and then you do some yourself. Like how is your business set up? Yeah, I take on a limited number of clients every year. And then most of the clients that we service work with individual advisors. They're independent contractors that I hire. And we employ between 10 and 15 a year at this point, depending on the the workload that we have. And we also have an independent staff of copy editors that Mm -hmm. just do separate line edits and checks of of work once it's essentially established and, and fully drafted by the clients just to get a separate fresh pair of eyes on things. So we have a team of about 20, probably about 20 people plus um, me and one full-timer, excuse me, who helps me coordinate communications and other things along those lines. And and when did you, because I've always been fascinated by watching you. I mean, you make you make money off the top of, you know, you bring the client in, it makes perfect sense. And then you pay Mm -hmm. contractors and you get the difference. And obviously the reason that they're hiring you is because of the brand and trust that you've Mm -hmm. built over many years. And also these are advisors that you have trained and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why people trust you. At what point in your business, how, when did you decide you needed to bring other people on? Because there's an argument for, I mean, I don't know how, how, how much time you spend managing other people, but there's a, a time at which people come to the place where they're making as, you know, a very, very high, like equivalent hourly rate because you're an expert and mm-hmm. decide, okay, now I'm going to take on this other responsibility, bring other people on, manage them. And, you know, I want to spend my time doing that. I'll get the difference. You know, to me, part of that looks like not as much freedom, but, you know, you've been able to scale it at, at a place where obviously it does give you freedom. So when did you mm-hmm. decide to do that? And how, how did that decision process look? Absolutely. I mean, there was one year where it was just me doing everything all at the same time. I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have uh, anyone helping with blog posts or communicating with clients. It was just me doing everything. And I can't even remember exactly how many clients I had, but I was topped out. It was so clear that I could not take on one more shred of work. And so to me, that was the max amount that I could make charging what I was charging. 
And then I had to decide, is this enough? Do you want to raise your prices? And if you raise your prices over the course of the next five years, how much do you think you could raise your prices to the point where people wouldn't start to buy? Have you raised your prices since then? Oh, oh, of course I have. Yes. With with Pia's with Pia's encouragement. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) saying. No. I'm just saying you you thought you hit your max, but you've gone quite beyond that. Oh yeah. No, most (laughs) most definitely. But I think when I when I thought about what my monetary goals were and and thought about what I anticipated I would likely max out at at that point in time, I decided that it was worth the experiment to try to start to hire other people because I just saw a limitation. That our limitation is time in my business. Mm-hmm. You, that's the thing that we're always lacking, and it is the it's the most precious resource. So without more people, I could not offer clients more time. And I started I started very small. I took on two, I think one or two advisors the first year that I decided to do this. It was also the year that the year that I made the program, I think it was two years before I made the video series, which actually is an incredible tool for just getting people initiated into our staff. But I I basically took on just a few people a year and slowly grew the team in a way that felt comfortable to me. I met a lot of my current advisors through recommendations from friends who I knew were fantastic writers or incredible teachers. And it was hard. It was a totally new challenge. But I actually think I don't think that I would be where I am right now if I didn't find over the course of those first couple of years that management was fulfilling for me. I love having a team. I love it. I love having a team. I also find even for myself, it's so nice to have people to bounce ideas off of when I'm stuck because everybody gets stuck when you're working on creative projects all the time. And I just I feel like I have a really lovely brain trust created a support system of, of people that I just I really love whose ideas I think are, are brilliant and who I can trust to interact with with parents and, and clients and relieve the stress of the admissions process. And I think when you find the right people, it, it feels easy. It takes a little while to get there. And there are definitely challenges. But I think after the first like three or four years, when I had a team that I felt was strong enough to the point where I wanted to expand even further beyond that. The next challenge was to try to find somebody else who could do what I was doing, which was to oversee more advisors. It which just, was its own challenge. Or, which is its own challenge. It, it, there's always a new place to go. There's always a way to push harder and further. And I honestly think that, I mean, my, my motivations are manifold. I obviously would like to make money and, and have a beautiful lifestyle and do all the things I want to do. But I also think I'm a person who like conquers a challenge and wants a new thing to learn and do. And mm-hmm. I think I would be bored out of my mind just helping students with admissions essays as a one person team. Like I want a new environment. I want a new challenge. I want new stuff to learn and do. So I think that's just an inherent characteristic of entrepreneurs. I mean, I feel the same way. The second something is working for like mm-hmm. a month, Steve and I are like, so what's next? It's, too, it's, too <laughs> what around here. it's been it's feeling too easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we like had a like a week of not doing that much. Okay, time yeah. for the next thing. Gotta learn the Basically. next thing. Gotta get Basically. excited about something new. I know. I mean, yeah, I, I talk to so many entrepreneurs who honestly what they I talk to so many entrepreneurs who are worried about focusing because they're scared they're going to get bored. 
And I try mm-hmm. to con- I try to communicate to them that you you're not going to get bored by focusing. You're going to have the opportunity to grow by focusing. Like mm-hmm. you you had the opportunity to you did it the way that I recommend everybody does it. People I think go too quickly to bringing the people on. You mm-hmm. were like, okay, I've maxed out. I'm I've got all the clients. I have more clients than I can handle. This is the perfect time to bring people in. So you had extra mm-hmm. cash. You didn't have mm-hmm. enough time. Great. Now I can expand. And yeah. you have been able to grow in an impressive rate because you did it in that way where you you waited till the demand was there. And I just think a lot of people are too quick to want to pass it off. And now you are able to do so many things. You have had so much time to try different things. You tried the course. Okay, it didn't work that way. You changed it into something else. Great. Now it's working this way. I mean, you need to have the time and the creative space and energy to do that and to come up with that. And I, I see you trying creative things all the time and you're always willing to try something and it doesn't always work but you have oh, to have yeah. the space and money to do that. Yes. Right. <laughs> Another episode, I'll fill a book, the stuff we've yeah, tried. If you ever, if you ever uh, have an episode about how to lay bunny on fire, I can contribute. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, sure. what's the worst thing or what's the biggest expense mm-hmm. we can, what's the biggest expense you made that just didn't do anything? SEO. Help. What's one SEO, SEO help. It, it, I mean, I have not had any luck with SEM or SEO, but Mm -hmm. I did. I hired a company a few years ago to help us with our SEO. And I actually learned a really valuable lesson from it in addition to lighting a lot of money on fire and just like, oh my God, wanting to ring next every single day. The (laughs) lesson that I learned is that nobody knows your company better than you do. And I mean, our content drives our business. Our our business used used to be word of mouth based exclusively and then mm-hmm. a, a large percentage of it was word of mouth and now i mean most of our businesses is web driven and pretty much all of it from search that's true and and the reason that yeah. people are finding us is not because we're paying for keywords it's because we write amazing content we put in the time yes. to fill our expertise onto the page and push it out into the world and when i tried to get somebody to help us optimize that they just don't understand the business as well as i do so they just fucked the whole thing up. <laughs> they fucked up, up yeah. really bad. And and I think, you know what, I, I wouldn't take back, I would never take back any of these mistakes because I think it just gave, ultimately, it gave me so much more confidence in our own ability to do the things that we need to do to get the clients through the door that I, I just know, like, th- those are things that must stay in house because we are the ones that we're the we're the generators of that magic. It's, mm-hmm. it's just one thing that we're always going to be able to do better than anybody else. And like, thank God <laughs> that that's the case. But uh, Oh, yeah. I tried to hire you know, people to write content and I wasn't even yeah. for SEO. It was just, can you please? And it was incredibly hard and ultimately uh, a losing game. You know, I mean, yeah. even now I have editors and stuff, but the editors are taking my words and just cleaning them up. And it has to be that way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many people think that you can game the system. They can start Mm -hmm. blogging tomorrow. And when am I going to get leads from it? And Mm -hmm. again, like this is a perfect example of something I see over and over again. Your first leads and clients are going to come from referrals and just show up be awesome and start creating really valuable content. I see Mm -hmm. all these marketers. What do you think of this? Have you seen these people who are saying, 
you don't need a blog. You don't need a, but you don't need all this stuff. You just need my system of whatever. It's usually Facebook ads to something. And it's not that those things don't work. It's just that I challenge anybody to look that person up and see if they have a blog because they always do. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really the content is, is where the magic is. And you get as you, you get the benefits of SEO when you create valuable content and you get yes. to spend your time creating something valuable. That's giving you yes. multiple levels of value and not just the search. It's not just the search. Yes. It's people reading it on your site and being like, Oh, I trust this person because that was brilliant. A hundred percent. I mean, the, the buy-in, the buy-in for us is always based on does someone believe we can help them do what we want to do. And I mean, the emphasis that we put on like I'm, I'm actually not a. Well, I don't know if this is true. I am a perfectionist in a lot of ways, but You're I definitely a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm particular, but I, I feel especially strongly about the website being ironclad because someone is yeah. going to hire us to help their child create something that is submitted and that you know in their mind determines the future of their child's their whole life, life. Yeah. right <laughs> so i mean it's it's just you know the, your presentation is so beyond important and i mean one other thing i wanted to say about word of mouth stuff too is like we we keep up contact we with our with our clients like very regularly like the people that we work with we spend so much time working with these people that like so many of them I consider to be family I know so much about them after talking to them even the people that are working directly with my advisors like I I'm pretty hands-on with all of the people that use our service and I think taking the time to establish those kinds of relationships has been I mean it's a game changer with a company. Like my, my whole rule of customer services, if someone has to ask us for something we failed, like mm-hmm. my, our game is anticipating the needs of the people that we work for. Yes. And like, I am just, I am a crazy person about customer service and trying to make sure that, that people have a stress-free, as stress-free as possible experience with us and come to lean on and rely on us in a way that is not, invasive or crazy but uh, but you know we especially as a seasonal business where things get like very heated over a short period of time like I do give up my life for three months where someone people basically call me anytime day or night and I will pick up the phone because I I believe that that's what good service is in this industry and what that does for me on a freedom level later in the year is it allows me to turn everything off and not pick up the phone ever right Yeah. No, I mean, that makes complete sense for you. And I want to just like double down on that because the idea of anticipating needs, I think that's something that feels maybe impossible to certain business owners, but it comes Mm -hmm. from time and experience and Mm -hmm. wanting to achieve a level of excellence in your service that by by improving it every time. So the reason that and I know you have like very clear processes and I do too, obviously, I'm all about this process, but being able to replicate a process over and over again and then doing it a 100 times means, you know, exactly what's coming in the pipeline. You've seen it all. You can anticipate. I mean, at this point, I'm like Steve and I, like before a client comes in and we're doing the brand up, we are like, oh, they're going to say this here that we like take bets. We're like, they're going to say this about this one. They're going to choose that one. (laughs) And we're usually Mm -hmm. right because I've seen it so many times. And you know, and you can't get it perfect at first, but you can improve every step of the way. And I love what you said about like, if they're asking for something, you know, you missed because the goal of really great customer service and, and what makes your life easier too, 
is that you are telling them what's happening every step of the way. If they're wondering, you missed something. They shouldn't be wondering anything. You sh- it should be mm-hmm. like you are like taking care of them with white gloves and they are just on the ride. You know, mm-hmm. they're on the ride Completely. with you, but you got them covered. Completely. And you know what? You're not going to catch everything. And like every year, I'm always surprised at the things that that come up that get kicked in my direction from advisors that I need to take care of. But I mean, as stressful as those moments are, they always teach you something about what Mm -hmm. you can do better the next year. And like, we're constantly updating our processes to try to catch things before, before Mm -hmm. they turn into actual issues. They're time wasters, right? I mean, it's not just an issue. It's just a huge waste of time whenever there's an issue. Yes. No, completely, completely. But I think, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the customer service element of this is is interesting. I mean, I hold myself very responsible for the satisfaction of every single oh, yeah. person that signs up for our service. Poor Jeffrey. I mean, if I look at my phone during the busy season and it's eight o'clock and we're sitting down at dinner and I just happen to like reflexively look at my email, I remember I, I got an email from a parent who just like was not getting what her daughter's essay was supposed to communicate. And I had read it earlier in the day and I loved this essay so much. I was so confident in this essay and I had spoken to the advisor that had worked on it and we were just gushing. I was, uh, it doesn't matter what it was about, but it was, it was really just such an authentic and sincere and also totally original representation of this woman's daughter and what she's about. But she, I think, didn't know what to expect from a college admissions essay and wrote me a very, very long heated email about of course why, about why she did not like what her daughter okay. had, had shown mm-hmm. to her and and how it was not in line with what we had originally discussed and at eight o'clock I think she sent the email at like eight o'clock at 801 I called her and had a long <laughs> super calm conversation with her but she was like oh wow I mean I want to oh wow people with my customer yeah. service I want them to be like wait a minute holy shit how are you even on top of this so fast it also I'm just like this is part of who I am. I'm a rip the bandaid off kind of person. Like, tell me the problem. Let me help you fix it. And, and I also think like, it's not fun to be, to be a client who's waiting for an answer on something. Oh, that's God. You out. Every minute you wait is, is yes. digging the ditch deeper. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. So Get I just want to alleviate. Yeah. Get I want to alleviate. That Most pressure. people would send that email. Most people would respond with a long ass email. I'm like, if you are writing more than a couple of sentences, if you are spending more than three minutes on an email, pick up Mm -hmm. the phone. Like people can't hear your tone. They can't get it. They're Mm going to read it, especially if someone writes you a heated email. You could write the nicest email. They'll read it as if you're yelling at them because they're feeling bad. Yes. Also, just even saying something like getting on the phone and being like, hey, I got your email. I (laughs) promise you everything is going to be okay. Like I completely understand all of your concerns. And before we even get started, I just want to let you know, until you're happy with this final product, we're not done. Bring bring the the, the barriers down. When someone's upset, now they're on heightened alert. You got to take those barriers down. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. You're not going to be... You're not being charged. Oh, then, it's like when a lawyer says you're not being charged for this call. It's like, right, okay, cool. Right, well, then let's right. talk. Totally. And then this woman, when like later on in the conversation, I was like, I mean, I did. I, I really hope that you were, you know, I didn't mean for you to get upset by any part of this process or whatever it was. I said the word upset. And she was like, oh, I wasn't upset. Like she wrote me a three page email. Yeah. <laughs> that was. You were definitely <laughs> upset, but you don't remember so, it because I just did yeah. magic on you. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> now yeah. you're in Lo- Stacy Loveland right now, just loving all the stuff I'm yeah. laying down you gotta, for you. Yeah, you gotta, you have to lead with the love when you can. I mean, I also think part of being a, a, a good manager and a and a business owner and an expert that people respect is putting your foot down when you have to, and I definitely do that too. Well, so I was going to ask you that because you have one of the best stories. Oh, and I don't remember the details. I just remember you returning lots and lots of money after like telling me about this woman. Oh. <laughs> it's like a huge pain in the ass, but it was such a great story of, you know, this is not going to work. This is a waste of my time. Like, I, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it. Will you remind oh, yeah. me what happened? I mean, I think the one of the markers for me of when my business is at a success level that felt really important to me was when I knew I was able to let go of clients that were not serving me well. Like if I if, if someone was really causing a problem and I just knew in my bones they were never gonna be happy with what we what we were doing for them, no matter how much we bent over backwards, I the ability to monetarily be able to say goodbye and not worry about the money was huge for me and one of the first times it happened I mean again it was just some some people just it's I understand their plate in this situation that we're dealing with a totally subjective assignment and there is no one right answer mm-hmm. and it's really hard to know what people are going to respond to and I think a lot of parents and students are tempted to show their essays to a million people and everyone's going to give you a different opinion of or answer. Course. My aunt thinks that this essay should say something completely yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> my aunt, my aunt's sister's like ex-husband has a journalism yeah. degree an, and he's an English teacher. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but the, the thing that I remember most about this woman, she really just like took a bunch of, I was trying to get her to calm down about something. I honestly don't even remember what it was, but she just, was really hitting me with a bunch of weird low blows like very personal asking me very personal questions do I have children because if I had children I would understand like really pushing the boundaries of things that like and I am trying to be a calm person in this situation Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah I just I had to I had to say goodbye I said to her listen I know you don't well actually I said first of all that is none of your business and please do not talk to me that way like, I am not making this personal with you. I deserve respect as a professional and as a person. So <laughs> please don't talk to me that way. And I've had to say that to many people who have yelled at me, actually. But everybody's so stressed out. Well, but no. For- and let's remember your target market. I mean, your clients are some of the most difficult people. And it's not that they're inherently difficult. It's that in the situation, they're difficult. Yeah. They're the kind yeah. of parents who will pay a lot of money to get their kids. I mean, I didn't have any help on my college essay, you know, like they're going to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to have their kid have this essay be better so that they can get into the best school because that those are all their priorities. I mean, that's a certain mindset that they're coming to you in. I'm surprised not they all aren't nuts. (laughs) No, they're actually some, some of them are like the most amazing people, like, like aunts, and like sisters and like second mothers like I love some of these people so much but this woman was like really losing her mind on me and saying like very inappropriate things to me Mm -hmm. uh questioning my giving me business advice and all kinds of other weird I remember that oh god you I remember when you I I don't remember what you said but I remember my skin crawling when you were explaining the story because I was like and at what point did you tell her to go fuck herself 
yeah, you know, she was, she was, she wanted to, she wanted to know if I had kids because I couldn't understand what her yeah. issue was unless I had children. And also, this is not the way that I should be running my business. Blah 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 blah. blah. So the second we get away from talking about what the problem is, I'm already like on high alert, and my whole goal is just to remain chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> goal number one is just be yeah. calm. And I said to her, I'm. Listen, I understand that you're upset and I don't want you to be upset and I want you to be happy with the services that you're providing. And I am not sure that we can do that for you, honestly. Like, I just think it's a bad fit. So I'm going to give you all your money back and you can do whatever you can, you're going to do. Find somebody else that's a better fit because yeah. I want you to find the help that, that works for you. And the second yeah. you tell someone you want to give them their money back, they only want to work with you more. So right. she really <laughs> did not want me to let her go at that point, even though she was yelling at me. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, you failed. You failed the test. Yeah. This is not this is not bargain basement here. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that I don't think a lot of experts or people who are aspiring to be experts and I want to grow their value and their prices understand like at a certain level of expertise, you really are highly coveted and don't need the business. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's not, it's not, a, it's not an F you. It's just a, right. you know, I literally don't have time to deal yeah. with people who don't value what I'm doing. And if you don't Absolutely. value it, that's okay. Go find someone that value, you know, that, that will value Absolutely. you and you will value that. And she was immediately not kidding immediately replaced by a new client that paid us just as much and was an absolute pleasure that we did not have time or space to take on because we were super full up that year. And I mean, one other thing too, and like talk about this in therapy all the time, but just like how much, what emotional price are you paying Mm -hmm. with your your clients? And I think at some point, especially for me, and I'm so sensitive (laughs) <laughs> to everything really I like I have a pretty thick skin at this point but also I'm just like in in life when I can let my guard down down and I'm a pretty sensitive human I think and I just like at some point it just wears on you yeah when yeah because are, you think about these things yeah. for for hours and it just and yeah. it it hurts it's the exhausting. work that you're doing it's exhausting mm-hmm. Yes. your energy. You're not able yeah. to focus on the things that matter. And I think yeah. people don't see the forest from the trees when they're holding on to cash. It's like, if you have a problem client, you know, mm-hmm. and you can get rid of them and make space to yeah. get better clients, do it. Yeah. And it's really easy when you are, you know, in that position of your business where you can easily replace the income. But I you know yes. I've done it when I couldn't easily, easily replace yeah. the income too, because it just, I realized like, I can't mm-hmm. do this anymore. Oh so no, good. totally. You know, Completely hurt. It- and then it feels yes. so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I actually don't even remember if I like fully refunded that person or if I just, really I mean, we had, like, tar up our deck. <laughs> we, had, we had worked together for a really long time at that point. And I don't oh. think it would have been crazy for me. I really don't remember. It was a while ago for me to. Well, the one I'm referencing, I know you gave it all back because I remember being like, yeah, you had to because you didn't want to get into. I just remember you being like, I just need to like end this now. And anything less than that, I can't. Then they're going to say, oh, but this and that, like, I can't even not even one more email. Nothing. I don't want anything else. That is that is very possible. I mean, I I have on very rare occasions done that. And and I'm not trying to make it sound like it happens all the time. No, 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 no. Not even, no, not even the point that I was going to make is that I think I'm going to feel worse about it than I do. And then every time, again, like the few times that this has happened, I just remember so clearly waking up the next morning and being like the wait list. Yes. And it's gone. You're just like, fuck yes. 
Yes. I'm so happy. And <laughs> and then and then it's contrasted with and like really the majority of the people that we work with are like this. And the kids are like obviously the stars of this process, but like such a pleasure to work with and so grateful for our help and like they default to our expertise and which makes it easy for us to do good work. And like when you immediately come off of a bad experience and go into an experience where like the the circumstances are more balanced, it's like, it's so clear that you have to make those choices if you can. But, uh, but these are all the perils of the service um, business. I was hoping that they are, but if you master them, you can have a beautiful business. And I think something that I have watched you do so eloquent, elegantly is balance the, I think I do this pretty elegantly myself. So that's why we're friends. <laughs> I think you balance being kind of I don't know, strict is the word, but very firm and mm-hmm. confident in mm-hmm. leading and the mm-hmm. process and taking mm-hmm. the, you know, so this is how it works. This is the best. This is how we're going to get to the outcome that you're looking for. And mm-hmm. respectfully, you know, you might have ideas of how that works, but I know. So I'm going to take you through this and kind of, you know, with a gentle but firm hand, pushing mm-hmm. them down that process and also yeah. never letting it become an emotional thing and instead being very kind. I mean, I think that's really, mm-hmm. it's a it's a skill that comes with practice, but I think it's, it is one of the most important characteristics that you must have if you're in a service business, being able to find that balance between the firm hand of leading with the Mm -hmm. kindness that doesn't get emotional and, you know, bite back when somebody says something biting to you because your clients, it's not really their responsibility to know how to, you know, to, to calmly manage your feelings. So they're just going to say their feelings and then it's your job to manage the feelings and get them back on track. And I think you do that really well, with a particularly difficult group, I would say. Again, I know that some of them are great, but like it's a high stress situation. I mean, yeah. if, if my child was doing that, I would be a difficult client. I think I'm a pretty easy client normally. Um, but when you were explaining how you do the process and, you know, what their enjoyment is, I was like, God, I wish I had a kid I could hire them for to write a college essay because you speak about it in such a, it's, it makes sense and it sounds smart, but it's not what I would expect necessarily when I'm talking to somebody about advising on a college essay writing. I mean, I, I don't know too much about that. So I haven't thought about it. But when right. I hear you say it, it's like, well, yeah, I want somebody who's thinking like that. Oh, I think mm-hmm. it was when you were talking about the the woman who who did, didn't like the essay, but how mm-hmm. you really loved the essay mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. doing all of, hitting all of these points. Oh yeah. Those are all the points yeah. I want to hit. And I believe you. And that's because mm-hmm. you know, you're able to do that. So that's a level of confidence you can only have when you've done it many Completely. times. Successfully. Completely. And every essay that I read that has like passed through the hands of one of our advisors or that I'm working on personally, mm-hmm. my whole, like, I must be able to defend that approach to anyone. I mean, I'm I'm trying to constantly defend it in my head to myself. So I'm thinking about what are the characteristics that we're trying to pull out in someone? What's the delineating factor here? How is someone going to get noticed? Am I falling asleep at any point in this? Like, is this generally entertaining? Like, these are I'm I'm pulling a million tests out of my out of my right. suit, out of my suit, out of my briefcase, whatever. I don't know. That metaphor was terrible. <laughs> but uh, I'm. I'm thinking my I was I, I'm thinking all the time about how these things are gonna are gonna land with a wide variety of people. Oh, just being also, able to pull those out on a dime. You can read yeah. an essay and, and read through that and it can be five minutes and you can know. 
okay, this didn't quite hit those pain points. And again, that's the like lifetime of value. That yeah, you're no, completely. And I also think that, I mean, I love parental input because I do think, obviously these people know their children far better than I do. Like I'm, I'm, I've been on six phone calls or five calls. what's that? Not all, no, no, not all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's useful. I think it can be very useful. And it's super encouraging when a parent responds positively after you've worked with a student for an extended period of time. I also think like one of the markers of a, of a successful personal essay topic is you're talking through a bunch of ideas with a student and you like, you hit a thing and all of a sudden a kid that was frustrated with the process is like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's such a, like they get excited by the concept in a way that probably they didn't even think was possible. So I think like just, reading the response of the people involved in this too is really helpful even for me as a professional like you Mm -hmm. know I don't know what feels authentic to you only you know what feels authentic to you and like in an age where uh, we haven't even like gotten to the scandals and the and the ethics behind all of this and like the the madness that has like hit this industry that is distressing in every way but also actually has made my job easier because when I tell parents their students must be involved in every step of the process and that no we don't write essays for people I just point to Lori Loughlin and I'm like do you even are you even questioning me about the need right. to do this this way anymore uh, the high horse there yeah yeah, I mean, and, I and then you're aligning with their values mm-hmm, completely. And you know, I've been I've been saying I say it all the time that the students must be in, inherent. They have to write everything. Otherwise, you don't get that authentic feel that comes from a student spilling their guts on the page. Like I cannot get inside somebody's right. head. I can help you sculpt something. I can help you. I can look at a page full of words and say, these are the things that feel interesting to me as an outsider, but I can't generate the content. Like I'm not you. Mm. So I think, I think think the way you talk about them getting lit at a lit up and, and being able to hit the nail on the head. And that's the experience when they're frustrated. And then they feel, I mean, I, I can completely relate to that. That's really what finding someone's brand and finding their focus is. I can see the weight lift. I think a lot of people think that their brand, it's like this hard thing to figure out. And I'm like, no, when you find it, it's actually quite liberating. But, but, and it has to come from you. I think a lot of people don't get that. I mean, got it. The parallels. I'm always amazed at that. The yeah, parallels are there. It's exactly the same because it's, it has to come from you. The, I'm not going to create. And actually, a lot of people come to me when they're first starting and they have no experience and they're like, I need a great brand. I'm like, look, I could make an awesome brand all day, but it's not going to be good because I need to start with you and your experience in this space. And if you have no experience, what are we going off of here? Totally. You know? No, completely. Completely. Also, it's amazing what an outsider's perspective will bring to the table. Like, I am always shocked at the things that students fail to mention to me until, like, call two or three. Like, one one big example was there was a kid who, I think on call, like, probably on call three, he mentioned to me that he, in his spare time, farmed oysters. Like, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't on his resume. It wasn't, he just, mm-hmm. like, this was his hobby. He liked to go. This was just, like, something he decided he wanted to learn more about. And he was, like, really into the environment. And I knew all of those things. But, like, there was just this one weird thing that he did, or at least unusual thing that he did, something that I can't imagine came up in a bunch of other college application essays that he just didn't tell me about until, like, pretty late in the brainstorming process. And I was like, what is 
why would you not tell me about this? This is so fun. But to him, this is just like what he does. It's his mm-hmm. everyday life. This is not that unusual for him. He just goes and does the thing that he does every day. And I think that the ability to have, you, it's hard to step outside yourself in these moments where you're being asked to self-reflect, especially if you're 17, sure. like you don't know. What yeah, you've you never done this work ever before. Yeah, exactly. So I think someone, and it's also really fun. I mean, in the position I'm in, I love working with these kids so much because you're, you're entering their lives in this place of transition and self-discovery. And I think like as a total stranger, who's like trying to facilitate their success they like if you can get them to open up a little bit it's so fun to encourage them about the things that they're already doing and I think so many of the kids that I talk to like think I'm boring like there's nothing exciting about me like there's nothing interesting about me and Mm -hmm. I always find a bunch of things that I find to be totally amazing about them and really thoughtful or offbeat or exciting or just like charming or or something like there's always something that Mm -hmm. I think school kind of keeps that out of kids too. I mean, I feel like that's oh, yeah. part of it, right? I mean, we're not getting, yeah. Don't get you started on school. Me neither. School oh, no, just no, doesn't no, no, let no. us be interesting. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, there's, there's, I have a lot of feelings about, about what students are, are prepared for and mm-hmm. whether or not they're allowed to cultivate their true interests in the education system that's currently set up. But, uh, but I think any level of encouragement. I mean, even oh, just my so favorite, fun. my favorite conversations with students always are the ones where like, we're talking a little bit about, oh, what kind of art do you like? Oh, you like, you like modern art. You like Warhol and Kunz. Have you heard about this new Yayoi Kusama exhibit that's happening at the Botanical Gardens? No, I didn't hear about it here. Let me send you a link. Like where we just like riff on random stuff and you form a bond with these kids and also show them that they're interesting people that other people want to talk to about stuff that they don't usually talk to other people about. Mm. And I think those are, those are the foundational conversations that let ultimately let me in the back door. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, and part of that, and this is also true for, I think any business owner, but you know, particularly for you and, and me is you have to be, you have to, be well-rounded. And I mean, being an interesting person yourself and who's interested in Mm -hmm. things allows you Mm -hmm. to be, it's like being a writer. Like if you want to be a writer, you have to be someone who's absorbing lots of information and stories because then you're pulling Mm -hmm. from more things. I mean, we've pulled, you know, this was terrible positioning, but very early in our business, it was like, Steve's an artist and art history major. Like he is pulling from from art mm-hmm. history in ways that you have no idea, but he's bringing that stuff to the table and referencing yep. all kinds of things. And it's not that it's yep. going to make or break your business, but it means that there's a lot more depth to the thought of this and that will Completely. translate, you know, and it, it attracts a certain kind of person too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, I think that, you know, if we go back briefly to the education system, just for a half a second, that like those, these tangent, these seemingly tangential conversations ultimately, mm-hmm prove the point that I think would be hard to make that knowledge is useful in unexpected ways because like we can have this conversation yes. because you have this interest and this is right. what life is actually this is what life is actually going to be <laughs> right. about once you finish going through school is I mean I had an I had an elongated debate with a student about 1984 this was maybe like three or four years ago where we debated like security and privacy and he was telling me that we had very different opinions about things and we just like 
talked for an hour about whether or not like the state should be under surveillance and what the risks were and like he actually ended up writing about 1984 for, for some supplemental school specific essay and probably didn't talk about anything that we talked about that day but uh, it was just like an amazing insight into this kid's universe and I do hope that maybe I changed his opinion about a couple of things too but I I said to him at the end I'm like this is what you're going to do in college by the way you're going to talk to people about this stuff and it's going to yeah. be really fun for you it'll be really fun it's going to be late at night and there might be weed involved <laughs> <laughs> that's what college oh, is it's, I, it's debating security and yeah. privacy over well, a joint well, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what life is but that's not what life is only only yeah. college <laughs> and then yeah. you go to life and you keep talking about I'm, pretty it. Sure I'm pretty sure most of the times we've hung out like we basically just get into elongated debates over consulting <laughs> <laughs> well we legal now yes and yeah just fine yes, performance even, even just fine. Yes. i know like there is nothing i love more than getting into uh an an in-depth conversation with your husband about something wacky. Oh God. Yeah. Watching you guys, especially him and Jeffrey is, is, I mean, I I can't watch the whole thing because it's, yeah, it's pretty intense. We've had some pretty intense conversations. I have to tell you that so far, all the people I've spoken to, I have been to foreign countries with. One of them was Priya. (laughs) We were all in Mexico. Amazing. Amazing. See, look, you're, you're cultivating a crew that, Oh, is aligned, oh. aligned with your values. That's what's up. Oh, you guys are such a crew. And actually, I also interviewed Natasha, who you don't know, but is your alter ego from EO. So I feel like I mention her to you a lot because mm-hmm. because she was you my next year. Oh, <laughs> she was she was my Stacy in year two um, at EO. And you guys would probably love each other. I know. And I I wish you guys were. I mean, we're here. They're okay. they're elsewhere. Stacey, we have so much more to talk about. We could talk for hours. I knew that would happen and it would be a problem. I want to talk more about the essay, the the Lori Laughlin. What's her name? Felicity yeah. Hoffman. Yeah. I want to talk more about the scandal. I want to talk more about schools and why they are or aren't um, preparing our children. I want to talk more about your business. I mean, I have, you know, I know a lot about your business, but man, I think people could learn a lot more about um, how you structure it. But I guess I just want to say thank you. Thanks for sharing your quarantine time with us. Now that you have so much time because you can't, you can't Listen, spend it's, all your time eating out. It's 4.30. I have to get started on dinner. This is my new life. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of kidding. Kind of kidding. Oh, you can cook us dinner next time. Yeah, no, I'm going to be over uh, it by then. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but this is an absolute joy and I love you. And thank you for being my entrepreneurial sister in crime. If you know a teen who could use guidance on writing a standout college essay, send them to collegeessayadvisors.com for all the brilliant tutorials they've made available for free, as well as more information on hiring Stacy and her team for private support. I personally wouldn't trust my kid's essay with anyone else. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who are struggling to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. Hard work can only take you so far. It's how you show up in your business that makes the difference. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Taking inspiration from Stacy today, take some time to ask yourself, what steps do you have in your process that ensure you are anticipating your client's needs before they know they have them? 
That may look like giving them more information about what to expect up front, booking follow-up calls before they're needed, or creating content that answers common questions that come out throughout the process. And that might just be your first step in showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Creative direction by Steve Wasterball. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 